Welcome to the Dag Hewitt Mills podcast. Dag Hewitt Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Hewitt Mills. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for today. Thank you for your holy word. Dear Lord, as we come before your word this morning, we pray for the spirit of humility. We ask you to lead us, speak to our hearts, and may we never leave this place, may we not leave this place the same as we came. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are studying the subject, Forgiveness Made Easy. Amen. It's very important to forgive because when we do not forgive, God cannot also forgive us. Amen. Amen. Now, one of the things you will discover as you grow up is disappointment, betrayal, and the whole family of things that go along with that. You will find out that you will, you will find people doing things you don't expect them to do. Is that not so? You'll find people saying things you don't expect them to say. And you will experience hurts, offenses, and so on in this life. Now, being a Christian is different from being a member of any other religion. Now, it is in Christianity, or it is Christ, who claims to make a change in the individual. All other religions give you a set of rules which you must obey. Can I have an amen? Amen. And they tell you, pray like this, do this, say these words, do that, and so on. But Christianity is a little different. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Is that not so? So when you are in Christ, or another way you could say that is when you are a Christian, you are a new creature or a new creation. You are not an old one that has been remodeled. You are not an old car that has been re-sprayed. You are not an old car that has had body works done and a good dose of sickens paint you are a completely new person a new creature creation can i have an amen, amen. so god has recreated you bible says all things have all things have passed away behold all things have become new this is the same thing that jesus was saying when he met nicodemus you remember nicodemus very good man very moral a very principled person uh, Jesus met him and Jesus told him marvel not that I say you must be born again even though you are such a good person 
even though you are so moral, so principled, even though you've been a school prefect, even though you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you must be born again. And so that concept or that word, be born again, being born again, comes from Jesus Christ. And when, when you say somebody is born, we are not talking about an old person who has had an operation or a 25-year-old person who has had surgery. When we say somebody is born, it means a new person has come into the world. All of these two things take place at the hospital. Just across the road, we have the big hospital there. In that hospital, there's, there's surgery going on all the time. In the block nearer the road, that's a maternity block, we have people who are being operated upon every night. Sometimes we have 10 in the night, sometimes 12, sometimes 20 people can be operated upon in the night. Now, after the operation, you can have a new human being being brought into this world, someone who's not been here before, someone who is new, everything's new, a fresh, different person, different from his mother, different from his father, different from his relatives, a new person born into this world. Yet a few meters away, you have another block there, a, a, a surgical block. There, when they operate, they sometimes take out lumps eh, and masses and tumors and growths, you understand? Or sometimes they cut off parts of the body and things like that. So that operation give, does not give rise to anything new. Are you here or you've gone home? What I am trying to help you understand is that when you are in Christ, when you are born again, you are a new creature or you are born again. You understand? So you are a completely different person. And that change takes place in your heart. And it is only Christianity which makes this claim. That when a man is in Christ, or when a man has joined this religion, if you want to call it a religion, because Christianity is not really a religion. It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you get born again, when you become a Christian, you have not been given 300 rules that you must obey. You have come to know God personally. And as you walk with God, and as you serve Him, you, you yourself will, will know what is right to do. Hallelujah. And we come to church, we preach the Word of God, because we still do need guidance. We need to know what to do and what to say now that we are new Christians. So if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, very quickly, you will see a very important scripture. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in Christ Jesus and true holiness. Alright? So what the Bible is saying here is, you should put on the new man. In other words, act like the new person. Now when we say a person is born again, it does not mean that he is born again physically. This is the question Nicodemus asked his, uh, Nicodemus asked Jesus. He asked him, how can I be born again when I'm so old? Can I go back to my mother's womb and be born again? He was using what we call absurdio reductio. That is, make an argument, you present an argument which makes uh, what the other person is saying look foolish. Absurdio reductio. Alright? So, Nicodemus used that uh, to try to make what Jesus was saying look stupid. How can I be born again? Can I become smaller and go into my mother's womb? You know, it sounds crazy. He was using absurdio reductio. So, after that, Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about physically being born again. I'm talking about the heart. 
And Jesus explained and said, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I'm not talking about the physical. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But your spirit or the inner man, the one who will continue living after you die. Because ladies and gentlemen, you will continue to live after you die. When you die, you know, when you go to the cemetery, you see people, they write their name, you know, Mr. So-and-so. Then they write, born, you know, February so-and-so, died November so-and-so. You know, as I saw that is the whole life. From February to November, from February or 1914 to 1999, and so on. That is not your whole life. Your life actually continues endlessly. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Don't let me start. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Huh? And the Bible said there was a rich man which fed sumptuously, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen. And the Bible says, and it came to pass that there was a, a, a poor man named Lazarus, which was laid at the rich man's gate, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And the Bible says, and it came to pass that moreover the dogs came and licked his sores, because he didn't have money to treat his buruli ulcers. And so it came to pass that he died before the rich man, because poor people often die before rich people. So the poor man died before the rich man. But all the poor and the rich will die. You may go earlier, some may go later, but everybody will go. So Bible says it came to pass that the poor man died, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And it also came to pass, when you go home reading, that the rich man died, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes. But this rich man was buried at Awudome Cemetery. He was buried at Osu Cemetery. You know, even in the cemetery, we have the area for the big shots. We have the diplomatic area. We have the area for, 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 for important people. If you like, I can take you and show you. There are special areas. When you are poor, you are an area. Even we have areas for Christians, non-Christians, rich, poor, important, politicians, etc. They are all in different areas. So the rich man was died, died and was buried. But that was not the end of the story. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. He was still alive. He was still around. He was still existing. When you die, your body stops functioning, but you, the real you, continues to live. And so the Bible says that he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth, you will see, you will be able to see. So there is somebody in you who is alive, who sees, who, who can feel, and who is there. And so when your body stops working, the Bible tells us that you will move out of this body into the next world. And so the Bible says that he seeth Abraham afar off. But I thought Abraham was dead. Abraham was still alive. Years ago he had died. He seeth Abraham afar off. And Lazarus, remember that poor man who used to be out there? You know, the guy who was desiring to eat the crumbs, the guy with the buruli also. He was in heaven. Can you believe it? And the rich man, rather, you know, the politician, rather, you know, the guy who was getting his 10% and his 20%. You understand what I'm saying? The people who had the big houses and the nice cars, he was rather in hell. Surprise. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and said, Abraham, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, for I am tormented in this plane. Today, if you want the mercy of God, then I want you to understand, you better get it now. Because there is a time for mercy, and there is a time for judgment. Give me a coin. Give me a coin, somebody. God's mercy, God's character, is like two sides of the coin. On this 50 CD, 200 CD coin. On one side you have the coat of arms, and on the other side you have, looks like a cowrie or a shell. It's a cowrie. All right. So when I show you this coin, you may see only the coat of arms, and so you think that that is all there is. But when we turn it like this, suddenly you see another, another side of the coin altogether. God is like two sides of the coin. One side is mercy and love, but when He turns it around, it becomes judgment. So God's 
characters like love and mercy on one side and on the other side is judgment so this is the time for mercy this is the time for love this is the time for God's grace and God's mercy in your life amen so I'm saying all this to tell you that there is an inner man who is real who will live on and is that man who gets born again Alright, so now in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, it says that, that you put on the new man. In other words, the man who is born again, put on his characteristics. Act like what you really are. Now, is it possible that you are something and you not act like it? Yes. Many years ago when I became a doctor, or even when I was a medical student, I remember going to London, I would see medical doctors working as porters, as security men, as cleaners. They would get up at 4 a.m., go and scrap toilets, go and be security men, salesmen, and what have you. Obviously, they were not acting like doctors because of the economic circumstance. They were being forced to act like porters and cleaners, sometimes as nurses. So you can be something, but you act differently. For various reasons so you can be a Christian but maybe because you've never been to a good church with a good pastor who will teach you the Word of God perhaps because you never read the Bible yourself because you have never pursued your Christian life you still act like what you are not so you need to act like what you are and that's why I'm teaching you and that's why the Bible says put on the new man in other words act like who you really are you are a new person. You have a new character. There is a change in your life. You are born again. You are a new creation. Now act like it. Put on the new man. Amen. Amen. Let's read on. Verse number 25. Wherefore, okay, in other words, because of this, put away lying, speak every man truth, with his neighbor for we are members one of another be ye angry and sin not in other words get angry but when you get angry please do not sin all right don't let the sun go down on your wrath never give place to the devil let him that stole steal no more all right in other words stop all these things and start doing what is right let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth verse 30 Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor be put away. And verse 32. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as Christ, for God's sake, has forgiven you. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? So when it gets to this point, the Bible says, now forgive. Forgive. Because you are a Christian. Amen. There was one radio talk show, and there was this politician who was speaking so much. He was speaking against um, some another group which he did not belong to, and um, there was a the, the calling. The calling time came, and one caller called and spoke to the man. He said, "The reason why you speak like that, and the reason why you are not able to forgive, is because you belong to such and such a religion." And he mentioned the name of a particular religion. He said, because you are from that religion, that's why you cannot forgive. But if you were a Christian, you would be able to forgive. And the man was very angry. 
If you are a Christian, you must be able to forgive. Ask the person sitting next to you, are you a Christian or a... Ask the person, what are you? What are you? What, what are you? Now, there are some people who, who don't even want me to preach about what I'm preaching. Yeah. They, they want me to just preach about prosperity. <laughs> and they don't want me to continue knocking this place. And I'm going to continue knocking it. Because the Bible says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Can I have an amen? amen. Alright. So I'm giving you seven reasons why you must forgive. Number one. What is the first reason? I gave it to you last, the last time. So that you can obey God. Amen. God says forgive. So that's the first reason why you must forgive. It's important to obey God. Number two, second reason why you must forgive. Uh, forgive so, that you can become a so that you become a perfect person or a perfect Christian. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14 says, We should put on the bond of perfectness. How many want to be perfect? How many feel that you are good? If you feel you are good, raise up your hand. Okay, you are not bad. You are not bad. Raise up your right hand. In the choir, you feel that you are not bad. So now that you, you feel that you are quite okay, eh? you are quite good, even though you don't play your first and best, <laughs> how many would like to move a step further and become perfect? Perfect. Give me your right hand, please. Amen. So God is saying we should move. On and become perfect we should aspire for perfection can I have an amen yes. all right step number three why must you forgive you analyze the offender is that not so and that's what Jesus did when he forgave the people who were crucifying him he analyzed them and he made excuses for them Jesus Christ made excuses for his own murderers you can make excuses for murderers. In other words, you can tell yourself he does not know what he is doing. You can tell yourself the man is possessed with demons. That is why he's behaving that way. You can tell yourself this man is, is, is not normal. That's why he's behaving. You can tell yourself he's under the influence of something. That's why he's doing that. You can tell yourself this one is young. That's why he's behaving like that. You could tell yourself this one is uneducated. That's why he's talking like that. You could give yourself reason. You can make excuses for people. That is how... You can forgive. I'm giving you steps to forgive. Is it steps to forgive or reasons why you should forgive? Steps to forgive and, re and re re reasons which will help you. Amen. Okay. So steps. So when you analyze a person in this way, it helps you to forgive. It helps you to forgive. When you, when you, when, if for instance you are married to an unbeliever and he's out there chasing all different girls. You understand? If you understand the Bible, you realize that an unbeliever is a sinner. And that's his nature. His very nature is, is to follow the lusts and the desires of his flesh. So you analyze this offender and you tell yourself, this man is an unbeliever. The Bible calls them covenant breakers. And, and you, you'll be able to tell yourself, he cannot help himself. And you can make an excuse. I'm not saying it's easy. Amen. Amen. 
But I'm telling you that if you do not forgive, you are rather going to get into more difficulties. Your life is going to become complicated. Many people, you see, you know what mental illness is? You know, one person said everybody has a kind of mental illness. It's just that it goes to one extent or the other. For instance, one of the symptoms of um, mental illness, schizophrenia, is paranoia, where the person feels people are against him. And he sometimes hears voices talking about him. He feels this one is against me. Even in the church, uh, there's somebody there who is a witch and so on. There are people who have come to tell us, please ask this person to leave the church. Because this and that. It's like, if you don't let him leave, then I, I will leave. Sometimes you, are, I've, I've stood with people who suffer from this. As you talk with them, they say, they'll say to you, shh. Some people are passing. I said, where are people passing? And then I'll turn around. And I realize that the people are far away, but then we are just talking quietly. But he's suffering from paranoid delusions, which means he thinks people are against him. Now, we all think people are against us to one extent or the other. Is that not? But when he gets extreme that is when it becomes mental illness how many feel that some people are against you somehow in life yeah i i think that some people are against me and everybody know that there are some people like but when it gets to a point where everything you do everything you say everything you think about is people are against you you understand then you are shifting into another realm very good and you know what brings on mental illness sometimes something happens sometimes a loved one dies sometimes there's some crisis sometimes there's a situation something happens and then it brings on that thing now not everybody reacts in that way so there are many people who experience somebody dying but they don't go mad there are many people who have bad experience but they don't they don't go off most don't but some do there are many ladies who have been jilted by a young man the young man said i don't like you anymore he didn't even say anything he just didn't come back most of the time they don't say anything or they say but go to Ankafo hospital you will see ladies who are saying oh Jimmy oh Jimmy oh Jimmy <laughs> up till today 10 years ago it happened and they are still saying Jimmy but there are others who have experienced Jimmy misbehaving and they are not saying Jimmy Jimmy they've moved on to Timothy trying to tell you is that in this life you will have certain experiences do not allow the experience to destroy you do not allow the experience to destroy you because when somebody betrays you somebody hurts you somebody does the wrong thing do not allow it to go on and now destroy you you are hurt you've been betrayed that should be the end of it don't let it go further and now begin to eat you up do not allow you these things to have the worst possible effect somebody can, look many women almost every woman has been jilted by a man before betrayed hurt offended life is full of these things you can't grow up in life without seeing these things all around 
Don't let it make you mad. Don't let it make you unforgiving and bitter. Don't let it make you lose your mind. And when you analyze some of the people who are doing these things, you realize that no, this guy is not normal. You realize that he's on a path to destruction. And you just give it to God and God will help you. Amen. So analyze the offender. Amen. Number three or four. Analyze your past sins. Analyze yourself, in other words. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, If any man is overtaken in a fault, they who are spiritual should restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Amen. 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 Anytime you are dealing with somebody's mistake, consider yourself. Because you may find out that you will do exactly the same thing one day. Or if you look back, you may realize that you have been doing exactly that. Or you may realize that if you were to be in that position, you may do worse. You may laugh at somebody who is stolen money. But perhaps you have never been exposed to that amount of money when you were broke. In fact, the Bible says that when you catch a thief, you know, the Bible shows a lot of mercy even for thieves. Because sometimes it says that the thief stole because he was hungry. Some steal because they are greedy. But when you analyze the yourself, you realize that you are human. When I hear of certain things that have happened to certain men of God, and then I analyze myself, I realize I am flesh. I am just like them. And I realize that I can fall into the same sin. It's the grace of God that keeps us from day to day. But when you analyze yourself, you will be less hasty to point a finger. And anyway, next time you point a finger like this, remember that three of the fingers are pointing backwards. Sometimes people condemn ladies who go and marry unbelievers. I have a lot of mercy for them. Because I ask myself, if I was a woman, and I was not married, and I was in that situation, I mean, I, I think I would be tempted. I think I would be tempted. The Bible says you shouldn't do it. But if somebody does it, I'm not being in a hurry to condemn the person. I, I, what I would do is tell you, this is what the word of God says. If you don't do it, fine. If you, don't, if you do it, fine. It's entirely up to you. You will eat and reap whatever you sow. But that, that will not make me condemn. You see, there's a difference between knowing what is right and what is wrong and then going a step further and condemning those who are making mistakes. When you condemn people, you, you are pointing back at yourself. It doesn't mean that you condone sin. When Jesus met the woman who committed adultery, they told him, Jesus, Lord, we have seen this woman. This is not her hearsay. This is not a matter of we saw her coming out of the room. We saw her directly with our eyes, video. We have it on video like that, VHS. You can come to us and watch it. We saw her life. Now the Bible says stone her. So we are going to stone her. Jesus said no problem at all. Now I want us to make two lines. 
of people who are going to stone. Everybody take a stone. And they all took stones. And I said, now the person who has no sin in his life, throw the first stone. Then they all, they all then their hand began to shake like that. And then they dropped it. When you look at yourself, you can't easily throw a stone at somebody. Oh, yes. No matter what the person, no, whatever it is, you, when you look at yourself, you realize, wow. That is why you must be careful when you are speaking words of condemnation. People who have condemned others find it difficult themselves to rise up and sometimes do well. Because years ago you came around, you killed people for riding in a bench, you killed people for owning a house, you killed people for uh, taking a loan, you killed people for having some money in a foreign bank account, you killed people for all sorts of things. Later on, when you should build a house, you can't even build a house. If you build a house, they will take photographs of the house and it will become a big case. must have a, if you are in this church let me tell you one of your visions must be to build a house what is a house what is a house what is a house is nothing it's a basic necessity it's a roof over your head and don't don't uh, renting a house is not necessarily a roof over your head renting a house is a temporary roof for a period and it can easily be taken away from you Can I have an amen? Yeah. So when you analyze yourself, as you stretch out your finger condemning somebody who is driving a car which you think he should not have, when the day comes when you also get into that position, then you will say, oh, hoo, hoo, I, wish, I wish I could swallow my words. Somebody came to see me in my office, and he said, I've said so many bad things about you. I said, really? He said to me, I wish I could swallow my words. I want to take, he said this, I'm not paraphrasing. He said, I wish I could take back my words. This was a doctor. He told me, I wish I could take back my words. The things that I have said about you. I said, it's too late. They've gone out already. They've influenced people. You have to pray for mercy. Amen. Amen. So when you consider yourself, some of you come to church and I preach and you give me marks. 35% today. 70% today. 60%. Consider yourself. One day you will also stand in front of people and preach. When I see people who squeeze their face when I'm preaching, I don't curse them. I just pray, Lord, Give them more squeezed faces in their lives. <laughs> May they also stand to preach and have the wildest squeezed faces. <laughs> when you consider yourself and somebody is preaching, you will, you will want to smile and say amen or, or something to encourage the person to preach. <laughs> Recapitulated points one to four before coming to the conclusion. Hey, consider yourself, my brother. Consider yourself, my brother. Amen. Amen. The next one is the next step you can take that will help you to forgive 
is what we call what uh, is analyzing the outcome. Amen. Analyzing the outcome of whatever has happened. Now, when somebody hurts you, let's say Jimmy, you were going to marry him, and he didn't marry you. It was the last moment, three months. You followed him until you were 39 years old, and now he says he's not going to marry you. He is going to marry Araba Lucy. And you are in the same church, and you see him coming with his Araba Lucy. You ask yourself how you can forgive. Now, in the Bible, we have the story of Joseph. And our time is up, so I'm just going to summarize this very quickly, and then we will continue next time. In the Bible, we have the story of Joseph, who was sold by his brothers. Are you listening to me? He was sold by his other brothers into slavery. He became a slave, although he was a part of a very rich family. He became a slave. And he didn't even have his family. He didn't have anyone. Years later, the Bible tells us how there was a famine in Israel and they came all over to all the way to Egypt. Now, Joseph had been sold, but he had become a, a butler in somebody's house. And then he had gone to prison and he had become the chief prisoner. And then he had even become the vice president of Egypt. He was the assistant pharaoh or the vice pharaoh, which is the same as vice president. So when Joseph met his brothers, are you listening to me? He looked at them and he was able to forgive them. And this is what he said in Genesis chapter 45, verse 4, verse 5, verse 7, verse 8. It says, be not grieved nor angry with yourself that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life, to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your life. It was not you that sent me hither, but God. There are women who have been offended by men, and that offense has made you turn towards God, and has made you know God in a way that you would never have known him if you had not experienced the troubles you had experienced. When you analyze the outcome or how you have come to know God and how you have come to serve God, it should give you the ability to look and say, you, you thought you were doing me evil, but God turned it out for good. When you realize that you have now got to know, and you know what? It's more important to know God than to know Jimmy. And if you are Jimmy here, please, I have no anything against you. I don't know you. I have no plan against you. Please forgive me. Eh? Forgive me when I call your name, Jimmy. If you look and you realize, it's more important to know Jimmy, it's more important to know God than to know Jimmy. What can Jimmy do for you? What can Jimmy do for you? But when you know God, thank God you have eternal life. You go through this life, you may have problems, you may have struggles, you may have difficulties, but at the end of it all, you arrive in heaven and you are blessed. In fact, when you get to heaven, you may look back and say, ah, it's good I met that wild man. The way he slapped me and he knocked me, made me tend to God. Some things I have experienced through certain wicked people, sometimes when I look and I see what has come out of it, I, I want to see them. 
and thank them and tell them, you know, you really helped me. Amen. Amen. I tell you, you know, you really helped me. You don't know all those things you did against me, you helped me. When we started our church, I think I've mentioned it before, I keep mentioning it. I mean, people rejected us. All the pastors in town who, who, could have, who could have welcomed me and who would have helped me, I thought they were my friends. I went to each and every one of them. And I told them, you know, I'm beginning a church. One said, well, you know, you better go to Bible school some of these days, young boys. You just get up and start doing various things when you are not called. I said, okay, so no help from there. I had to run away. I went to another one. I said, I want you to come and preach in my little church to give me some recognition. You know, when you study, you want people to give you help to give you some recognition. That's what he told me, listen, we don't sow amongst thorns. And you know what? You know what happened as a result of that? I was just pushed into a corner. I couldn't relate with anybody. I couldn't talk to anybody. So I had to learn everything on my own. And you know, God wanted me to develop my own ministry and to develop my calling and to flow in a certain way so that I could bear a particular fruit. Yes. And through that rejection, I was pushed into the will of God. So when I see some of these people, I just tell them, you know, remember what you did to me? <laughs> it's worked out for good. It's worked out for good. And I am able, listen, I am able to relate to them. I relate with all men of There's nobody that I cannot relate with and I do not relate with. I relate with them as friends. If you see us chatting in front, you will think that this man has never done anything wrong against me. Oh, that is not the case. And the case is that they have. But when I analyze it all, I realize God was using them. God is using that man. Sister, God is using that other sister in church who you don't talk to to, to teach you to learn forgiveness. So that one day when you marry, you, you can be a good wife. Because without forgiveness, you cannot be a good wife. You will be a hurt wife. You will be a bitter wife. You will be a wicked wife. Because you cannot forgive. Or if you think your husband will not hurt you, then you are living in, on the moon. Our time is up. We we'll continue next week. Or the week after. Amen. Please stand to your feet. How many are ready to forgive? To forgive and forget. <laughs> you can't forget, but you can forgive. How many know that you cannot forget, but you can forgive? When I say you cannot forget, what I mean is that you can take medicine, paracetamol, everything, still it will be in your mind. You can sleep and wake up after 10 years, still you can remember. But you can forgive. Because God says forgive. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Let there be love shed
decide in your heart to forgive pray about it right now speak a word to the lord decide to walk in forgiveness and in mercy and in love all the days of your life thank you father for your mercy and your goodness in the name of jesus and as every head is bowed every eye closed god is ministering to your heart if you are here today you don't know jesus as your savior you want to say bishop i want you to pray for me i want to be born again if you are here like that maybe you don't know whether if you die today or tomorrow whether you go to heaven or hell you want to say pastor please pray with me pray for me i want to know god i want to know jesus i want to know him like the way you know him i want to serve the lord if you are here like that just lift up your right hand wherever you are i'm going to pray especially with you before we close lift it up high thank you lift it up high thank you thank you thank you god bless you i see your hand i see your hand i see your hand lift it up high thank you all those who've lifted up your hands you want to give your life to the lord you lifted up your hand you want to say jesus i want to know you if you've lifted up your hand i want you to come all the way to the front come to me right here i've come down i want you to come from the back come from there come from wherever you are god bless you god bless you god bless you hallelujah hallelujah bless you all right god bless you for coming i want you to do i want you to go with our lady pastor right here she's waving her hand thank you my brother and sisters go with her they're going to pray with you and you come right back upstairs all right put your hands together for them. god bless you for listening to this message visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.